Hey everybody, it's Eric Torenberg, co-founder, partner of Village Global, a network-driven venture firm. And this is Venture Stories, a podcast covering topics relating to tech and business with world-leading experts. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Village Global's Venture Stories. I'm here today joined by a very special guest, Max Greenwald, founder and CEO of Warmly. Max, welcome to the podcast. Nice to see you, Eric. Why don't you introduce what is Warmly and how did you come to, to start it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so uh, obviously, uh, On Deck and the uh, ecosystem that you've built there has been instrumental in, in my success and progress as an entrepreneur. Uh, Warmly, though, is the fastest way to get insights on people directly in Zoom. Uh, folks may remember Reportive back in the day. Basically, we connect to your calendar, pull information about every person you're meeting with and display it for you instantly in every Zoom meeting that you have. Um, and uh, we're really excited to have a partnership with Zoom and to launch as one of the first ever apps on their app store. And uh, so not only will we display information about the people you're meeting with, but you can also share more of who you are. And so uh, we have instant custom Zoom backgrounds that appear above your head uh, and share more of who you are and lots of other cool features in that world to help you just connect better with people on your meetings. Uh, you know, as we're stuck in the, the Zoomiverse uh, and do way more virtual meetings now, it's hard to connect with people that you, that you want to meet with. Talk more about th- that problem. And, and what solutions uh, Warmly and others will provide to just make it a better experience. Yeah, totally. Well, I think just the the shift to remote work has been tremendous and exciting in so many ways. But um, the reality is there's a lot of problems with virtual meetings that we've discovered in the last you know year and a half of doing so many meetings. Uh, one of the main ones, I think, is that it's just really difficult to truly connect with somebody. Uh, one of the reasons why Zoom fatigue is caused is because you're, you have trouble figuring out how do I connect when I'm looking at somebody face to face you know, eyeballs to eyeballs in the first minute, five, 10 minutes of the meeting. Uh, you know, for me in the last year and a half, uh, after we did the On Deck Fellowship and then started our company, uh, we went through fundraising for the first time virtually. We went through, you know, our first customers virtually. We had to sell, you know, our product virtually. And uh, there are so many times where I just had trouble connecting and figuring out who to who to work with and who to talk to and, and how to connect with them deeply. Um, and so I think there's a whole universe of problems that can be solved in and around the, the meeting experience because, you know, interestingly, like the virtual meeting experience really is just the, our, our lived experience of the way we connect and talk with people throughout our days. Um, but I think there's some light at the end of the tunnel. We uh, actually foresee and, and I predict that some conversations are actually better over Zoom than they ever will be in person. And I think we'll see that reality come up in a few years. Won't you unpack how you've navigated the idea maze and what advice do you have for others who are, who are you know, might, might be doing something similar? Yeah. So background on me is that I uh, worked as a product manager at Google for a couple of years before uh, stumbling into on deck and not really being the kind of uh, start of my entrepreneurial journey, having met one of my co-founders in on deck and then finally quitting to take the leap. We thought we had it. We thought we had the idea. I mean, we were stoked. And our first idea was Tinder for co-founders. It was basically, you know, an app to swipe and try to find people to meet with for co-founders. It's a terrible idea for so many reasons, um, but it took a couple of months of interviewing and figuring out so many early things around how to interview, how to talk to people, how to not ask the questions that will get you the answers you want to hear. I mean, we would ask people in the early days of interviewing as we were navigating the idea maze, 
So, you know, you're having trouble getting co-founders, right? And then you go, yeah. And we go, great, our idea is going to solve that. But like, that's a really shitty question to ask when you're early in interviewing customers. And so as we, you know, uh, continued to navigate the idea maze, we tried out several iterations of our products. First one was called Push-Pull, which were like digital business cards. Um, then we pivoted from there and, okay, we need to make something more B2B that uh, solves real business problems and, but still in the, in the space of, you know, networking and authentic professional connections. And so we went into that space for really nine months to a year and built a product, got paying customers. And along the way in each pivot, we learned a lot about ourselves as people and early stage founders, and also a lot about how to build and run a business uh, so that when the right idea really struck the right opportunity for distribution, the right problem to be solved, that there's a real need for people, the right thing that we believe we can build a monetizable business out of, we are, we're in the right place and time to, to go after it. And so uh, I guess my advice for folks navigating the idea maze is keep going through it, you know, ask good questions in your customer interviews, because you can find yourself wanting uh, or asking questions that will lead to the answers you want to hear, which is not what you should be looking for. And then uh, really just continuing to, to iterate because the deeper you go into your space, um, the more you're going to learn. And even though it's so funny, like I thought maybe after 50 customer interviews um, with people in our space, you know, that took maybe whatever, like three weeks to four weeks. I was like, oh, I know everything there is to know about creating a professional networking, authentic connection, community type business. Hell no. Uh, I, I continue to, to figure out that every six months I hit a new learning curve or a new step, a step function curve around like uh, a deeper understanding of my space to be able to navigate how to uh, build something people want and create a business around it. Totally. One thing that's really interesting here is you're, you're providing, uh, you're creating a new virtual experience. And, and, and there's sort of this broader question of the more we uh, live virtually, you know, what will that look like in terms of virtual communities and, and, and virtual experiences? Why don't you share some of your thoughts about wh- where you think this is all going? You know, I'll first start out by giving you the, the types of conversations that I think are better virtually than, than in person. Uh, and this is maybe a bit of a hot take, but I think is, uh, is going to be a lived reality where I think that all interviews should be done virtually uh, as opposed to meeting somebody in person and um, you know asking them a couple of questions that you think would be good to ask them if you want to bring them onto your company. Imagine if you had a AI personal coach that would help you think of, oh, like ask this question about our culture or, hey, your coworker in the last interview already asked that question. Um, all sorts of things like that, plus the ability to see somebody's pronouns and preferred uh, pronunciation of their name are interesting tidbits they don't really get in person that are important for a first impression. And so I actually think that uh, one virtual experience that that's better than, than reality is interviewing folks. The next um, type of conversation that I think will be better virtually uh, is first time meetings. When you meet somebody for the first time, uh, you need to understand who they are, what they do, basic stuff, but also you need to connect with them deeply because uh, if you can actually connect with a the person, they're more likely to you know, buy your product or join your company or uh, any sort of objective that you have. And a lot of people rush to the uh, end result they're looking for of like, hey, buy my thing. But as we all know, like building a connection and a relationship is where actually you unlock the real doors toward accomplishing your objectives. And so in a first time meeting, it's a lot to ask of somebody in 25 minutes on a first-time call to not only establish a rapport and a connection, but to um, you know, 
get to the end goal of whatever they're looking for. And so uh, tools like Warmly, amongst others, uh, during first time meetings show you information that you need to know about other people, but also, you know, icebreaker questions and ways that you can kind of get to know each other quickly to foster a relationship where you can ask each other the real questions to get at the meat of, of what you're trying to accomplish. Uh, the next type of conversation that I think is done better uh, virtually than in person are team meetings. You probably remember days where you had a big group of people in a conference room and one person talks the entire time uh, and everyone else in the room feels like they can't say anything. And so they just kind of stay quiet. But imagine in a, a virtual setting, if you could actually record the individual audio streams of each person, you could figure out who is talking too much and more than everyone else and who maybe wants to put a question into the queue, uh, but not interrupt somebody in the middle of a presentation. Presentation. And so team meetings and, and sort of the equity uh, around making sure that everyone feels heard in a team discussion is another type of conversation that I think is done better virtually. Finally, fundraising pitches. And I actually just uh, published an article in TechCrunch called How to Fundraise Over Zoom about my experience as a first-time founder who had never raised money before raising all of our seed round over Zoom. And uh, tools like Mm-hmm, uh, which allow you to present um, you know, in a corner, uh, but also display your web app and sort of like toggle between a bunch of different things um, and, and still connect with the person you're meeting with, I think are examples of, uh, of sort of ways to up-level your ability to talk to and communicate with investors to convey your value prop. But maybe the most important thing about fundraising pitches and why I think it's better over Zoom is really the, the overall fundraising process for entrepreneurs. One of the most important things that I think is over, overlooked often is the funnel that you create as you're going through uh, raising for a round. Uh, if you only interview with one or two investors, then if they inevitably say no, you know, then you're not going to raise any money. If you are talking to one or two investors who are going to give you a term sheet, uh, you, maybe you have, let's say, let's say your first term sheet. All of a sudden, you have one offer on the table. Awesome. But if every other investor you're talking to, you're still at a first meeting with, you're not going to have alternative options to compare and to potentially you know, build off one another to get the best price or valuation for, for your round. And so I think that moving a, a large number of investors through the funnel at the same rate is really important for a first time or any really entrepreneur to do when they're fundraising. Uh, but people don't think about that one. But two, thanks to virtual meetings, you actually can meet with so many more investors uh, in a given week. Instead of having to fly to first California and then New York and then you know drive up and down the peninsula, um, you actually can get way more investors through your funnel at a reasonable uh, rate. So that as things start heating up at different parts of your funnel in your round, um, you can get people to a yes or a no more quickly and then also have more options at the end of the funnel to choose which investor you want to go with. Yeah, that's really fascinating. I mean, more broadly, and you've spoken to, to some of it, but I want to give you a chance to, to speak more if, if something comes to mind. When you think about the future of work in a post-pandemic world, when we're sort of, uh, you know, combining virtual with, with uh, IRL, what are, you, what are you most excited about uh, or, or most predicting uh, there in terms of, uh, you know, work, working style, but also in terms of, you know, other products that, that will merge to help facilitate that? Yeah, one of the things that I think uh, Zoom very intelligently has thought about are the kinds of uh, interactions um, that could happen IRL, but maybe are even better or could scale better virtually. Uh, so Zoom has created this um, essentially like a little video device 
that uh, allows somebody like a receptionist or somebody like a host at a bar uh, to be virtual and manage multiple office locations at once. So back when I worked at Google, a single building had to have a receptionist. Uh, and now, um, you know, with something like Zoom's device, you could imagine a world where you only have three receptionists for 50 front office locations. And so that I think is a really cool example of technology helping blend that virtual and IRL reality. Uh, I'm also watching and think it's pretty cool some of these virtual platforms like Gather Town or, or things like that, where uh, you can have a little like avatar in like a fake office environment and you can use your arrow keys to walk around and see that your coworker is busy and you don't want to disturb them, but then you can walk over to the water cooler and hit enter and like jump into a, a virtual chat with some of your coworkers. Uh, I think for remote teams, that'll be really cool. One of the things as well that, I, that I've been thinking about is as, as we have a, a virtual, I mean, all, all remote team of 13 people across 10 states, is do we ever want to get to a place where we actually have an HQ? One of the things that I heard recently from a founder friend is that they built up an HQ of like 30 people in one place, but were still remote optional. So they had a lot of people elsewhere. And one of the difficulties of being half in person, half remote, especially with a concentration in one area, was that people inevitably felt like you had to be in person to make an impact or contribution on the company. And so I've seen all remote work really well, all in person work really well. But I think the hybrid offices of the future, I think it's okay to have or at least what I'm planning for my company is that we're going to have a lot of small HQs as opposed to like one centralized place for fear that remote workers will feel less part of the culture or part of the or part of uh, a team that can really contribute if they're not like in person. Yeah, that, that's really fascinating. One thing I want to segue to something I found really interesting in terms of something that you think about as it relates to company culture. Why, why don't you uh, you have this thread ongoing about uh, about the purple cow? Why don't you unpack w- what that means to you and and how you implement that at, at Warmly? Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that you know nobody tells you when you're going to start a business is that one of the most important things you can do as a founder and leader of a company is think deeply about culture. Um, not something that I had planned to put into my whatever seventy hours a week that I can possibly give to my startup, but something that has become really important. Uh, of course, important to our culture, or sorry, to our company. Uh, and of course, in a remote environment, I think you even have to invest more strongly. So mm-hmm. the purple cow is a, is a life philosophy of mine that I brought into our company. Uh, there's a great book that folks should totally read called The Purple Cow uh, by Seth Godin. It's a 2003 book, uh, but it's an awesome sort of Bible uh, on, on effective marketing, which essentially says, and the analogy goes, if you're in a field with 100 cows and one of them is purple, and the farmer says to you, which cow do you want? You don't know why. And the meat probably will not taste very good, but you're going to pick the purple cow. And it's because that purple cow is unique and remarkable. It stands out. Uh, you don't really know why, but you want it. And so I think that's one of the most important philosophies that I brought into Warmly's culture, which is the importance of standing out. Warmly, our company actually has a comma in the end of our name. So it's W-A-R-M-L-Y comma. And people always tell me the comma, I don't get it. It's stupid. And I go, great. Uh, Because rather than being apathetic toward a name that you won't remember, even by hating the fact that we have a comma, you're going to remember the name warmly. And so uh, our our core value at the company, which really is uh, about the purple cow, is is add a comma. And so uh, we encourage all folks at our company, and I try to do this myself all the time, is think about what is unique or remarkable in this endeavor that I'm doing that could help stand out and, and be the difference maker in helping our company succeed. And so, you know, one example that we were throwing around earlier this week was we're about to launch this new product. Uh, what if we said that the product costs a million dollars a year, unless you answer our riddle and the riddle is what's two plus two. 
So kind of gimmicky, a little bit stupid, but a purple cow move uh, or an Atacama move that we think will stand out and be remarkable and, and make us more memorable. I think that's a great, great place to, 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 to wrap. Where, where can you point people for people who want to go deeper and, and, uh, and, and, and check out Warmly? Yeah, warmly.ai. I, uh, I wish we had warmly.com, but uh, Mark Cuban has uh, stolen that domain name from us and he won't give it to me. Um, so Mark Cuban, if you're listening to this, please give me warmly.com. But if not, go to warmly.ai and uh, you can download our free Zoom app to get instant insights on people directly during your Zoom meetings. Please, Mark, please. <laughs> awesome. Max, it's been a great episode. Thanks for coming to the podcast. If you're an early stage entrepreneur, we'd love to hear from you. Check us out at villageglobal.vc.